Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. I'm Lynn Wilder. And I'm Joel Grote. And we are your hosts for the podcast. And today, once again, we have a guest. With us, we have Susan Malo. Um, I've known Susan informally and formally for probably five, six years. Um, one of the things that our ministry, Institute for Religious Research, does is we offer one-on-one mentoring for Mormons that are looking to transition out and just want some personal help with that. And Susan has been one of our mentors uh, for, I think, five plus years. Mm -hmm. So just a delight, um, though it's the first time we've talked a lot about her story. Uh, She's listening to the stories of other people who are looking for Mm -hmm. uh, mentoring. And so now we've got a chance, Susan, to hear from you. So thank you so much for being Mm -hmm. on the podcast with us. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just a delight Mm -hmm. to have you. And I want to start out by just having you, like we do with a lot of our guests, give us your background in Mormonism. Okay, I, that'll be easy. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have an opportunity to share um, something that is truly so important to me. Um, I was born and raised in the Mormon faith. My parents are originally from Utah, um, and so they moved to, you know, far away into Idaho and raised us there. <laughs> so um, I grew up in a very small town in Idaho um, where I don't think in that town there might have been a handful of people that weren't Mormon. So everyone I knew was Mormon. And so I never really questioned or knew about another faith because that's just what we all were. I had so, three older siblings. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, so happy Mormon childhood yes. life. No, um, I did. I had, it was great. I grew up um, just do- doing and learning. My siblings were old, much older than, than I was. Um, so I was just following in their footsteps, doing whatever they did, um, you know, sports. They were going on missions. I was excited when they went on missions because they got to leave our small town. And I was like, Ooh, there's an adventure. So you, it puts in your mind, I want to go do this. And we just, you know, every Sunday was church. Midweek, you went to church. My parents were active and involved. We did girls camp. I was in mutual. I was a leader. I, I, that was who I was. Like if you're Idaho and you're Mormon, it's just yes. sort of <laughs> together. You don't know anything so, different. Was this Southeast Idaho by chance? Yes, it was. Southeast it was. Idaho. It was. Uh huh. It was just embedded. And I had a great childhood. There is, I had wonderful parents. I loved going um, to church. I loved all the activities. That was just my world. And it was a very happy world. Um, But I will say that even though I grew up being Mormon, my extended family was a little interesting. So my great grandfather, who I knew well, was very Greek Orthodox. And so when we'd go visit, you know, they'd have Greek Easter. And so there was a little bit of something when I was a kid that I'm like, well, that's a little different. But when my parents would talk about it, it was just, you know, that's what they do. And this is what we do. And then it was just sort of done. It's like, we respect each other for that. So my parents would allow me to experience that, but then it was just, that's them. This is us move on. But the reason that's so interesting to me is because when I was a child, I'd go and play in my mother's um, jewelry box. And one of my favorite jewelry items was a cross necklace. Now as Mormons, we know that we don't 
acknowledged, like you aren't wearing a cross. It's just not going to happen. And, but my mom had this cross necklace and my favorite part is when you'd hold it up to the light inside, it had the Lord's prayer. And so you'd hold it up and you could recite this. And I didn't know what it was because I never learned the Lord's prayer as a Mormon, because that would have been a recited prayer, which you don't do. So I would read it and I just thought it was beautiful. And I loved that it was magic because you could hold it up to the light and it, got big <laughs> and it was this prayer. And so I asked my mom about it and she would tell me that that was given to my grandmother at her baptism when she was an infant. And so um, that's why she kept it. So I would always get that cross. And when I asked my mom why I couldn't wear it, because I put it on to wear one day and then she, um, her view of the cross was, um, and, and I will never forget the story because I mean, I'm much older and it still sticks with me. We don't wear a cross because um, if someone were to have murdered, like if some, and this is, I'm a child, if someone murdered your brother with a knife, are you gonna wear the knife around to remember your brother? Mm. And I was like, oh, of course not. And so the cross got put away, but I would always go back in because it intrigued me and the prayer inside of it, the Lord's prayer, I just, I was fascinated. When I turned 16, my mom gifted me that necklace. Oh, really? And to this day, I have it and I have her letter. And the oh. entire time she talks about the cross, though, she never mentions, I just reviewed her letter today. She doesn't ever mention the true purpose of the cross. She'd say, yes, Jesus died on the cross, but then didn't follow up with what that death did for us. And so that was one of those things as a child that got me interested in, in trying to figure out there's other faiths, there's other beliefs. What do I know? What do I not know? And it started a curiosity in me. And then that curiosity never went away. So even though I was very Mormon my entire life, um, and we still, you know, like every family, there's, you make mistakes and there's fights and there's arguments and yeah. whatnot, but it's just, that is what it is. But I would ask questions. Um, and my answer would be, you don't have to know everything. You know, you're not God. You, you just walk by faith. Don't question just walk by faith, get in your scripture. And so I was like, okay. And so I would just quit asking until, um, in my teenage years, my older siblings, my oldest sibling, um, was divorced. Now he had been married in the temple to someone oh, that he had wow. met on his mission and he was married in the temple. They had a young child and then they got divorced and it traumatized me because as we know, family is everything for Mormons. Right. And our whole goal is to be together everyone to be together forever. And so as a young girl, I didn't understand, well, he just messed up. He's now divorced. His family's broken. His mistakes are now affecting me because when I go to heaven, I can't be with him and with her. And all of a sudden my salvation was impacted by a decision my brother made. Mm. And I didn't get that. And I would have conversations with my mom saying, why would God punish me for someone else's mistake? Because I'm promised to be in eternity forever with my family right. and you guys are all my family and now he can't be with us. And then my second brother got a divorce oh, and then it just man. kept going. And then when they got divorced, they ended up leaving the church. And then when they left the church, they left all faith. And so I am growing up watching my family dissolve in front of me, having no power to do anything about it and feeling like my eternal happiness was being stripped from me and I had no control. Wow. And I began to doubt who God is and why would he do this? So how so the old doubt, were you? How old were you when was, this was happening? This all started when I was about uh, about high school age. So around 14, 
okay. on. And so I was also like, I was in seminary council. I was one of the council members. Like I dove in to my faith because I didn't know how to deal with all this conflict around me. Mm-hmm. And I knew I love God. I have always loved scriptures. I've loved reading the word. I've, I know that he's there. And so I was struggling with not understanding these two just opposite effects that were going yes. on in my world. And I'm like, here's my family falling apart. I'm trying mm-hmm. to rely on you and I don't know how they're going to ever mesh. Mm-hmm. And so those doubts and no one providing me with answers sort of bothered me. And so I started doubting a little bit more. I went off to college. I went to BYU. Ironically enough, I went to BYU in my freshman year and was super excited to go there. This, I left the summer before I started in the fall. And in that summer, I came across um, the big world. I moved to Salt Lake. <laughs> so I was in the big world with lots of people who suddenly aren't Mormon yes. or of different faiths. And what I found myself is that I was running into a lot of people who were Jack Mormons or ex-Mormons. And so then as a young kid who's dealing with my family's falling apart and you're doing this, and I, I just, I started asking questions and then they would tell me things about, well, you, you know, you're, you're getting, how can you be like, how can you be a God? And really is your whole family going to be together? Because if you're going to be a God over here of this planet, are you together anyway? And just all these big questions that I was like, yeah. I don't know. And so then I started getting angry. And I um, am full of all kinds of emotions. So I went from sadness to clinging to God and then not hearing from him to hearing all of these other things that started to make me question. And then I was just angry. And I said, I'm done. I've tried, I've tried going to God and he's not answering. My family's falling apart. These guys are making sense. Not one Mormon I know wants to address these questions. So I'm out. And this was happening before I entered BYU. Ouch. That kind of. (laughs) Yeah. So then as I entered my college, I already had a warped view of what was going on. And it was very hard for me to attend classes. It was hard for me to um, listen to sermons. I I call them sermons. To listen to um, anyone who's up there speaking. And then I'm noticing the devotionals. Yeah. And I, and I would start noticing that hypocrisy going on, like, Oh, we're here, we're doing this. And then on the side, they would do something different. And I'm like, Mm. look, if you you don't believe your faith, then just own up to it. And so then I started feeling like my, like I myself, I'm like, well, here I am (laughs) and I am confused and I don't know what's going on. And so I ended up going from being in a high honor roll student in high school to basically almost flunking out of my freshman year of college. I managed to go back my second year, um, not because I wanted to, but because my parents wouldn't let me leave. I begged them to not go back. And they said, nope, you made a commitment. You're going. Well, Um, and if they knew you were questioning, they probably thought BYU could fix that, right? If anybody can fix it, you know, the church can fix it. Yeah. Yes. And one of the things that happened to me is along the way of my doubt and my anger, I made choices that were not choices I would have ever made in the past. And it led me down a road of sin. And so as I'm coming, you know, through all of this, I recognize I'm not doing well on my own. And so I need to go confess my sin. As I've been trained, you go talk to your bishop, you, uh-huh. you need to share them. And when I went and spoke with my bishop, it was the first time that I'd ever really had to do something like that. And when I spoke to my bishop, I just thought I, I was disappointed because the questions he asked were questions that were inappropriate and detail oriented. Yeah. 
and not okay and made me very uncomfortable. And having never gone through this before, I didn't know if that was normal or not, but it didn't feel like something a man of God would ask me or want information about. And so then I lost all trust in leadership. And you're so 18, one, 19 at that point. Yes. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to come back and then I'm scared away again. And then um, I had a situation come up where um, I was asked to go to the standards board. That's a big deal if you're at BYU and you're asked to present yourself before the standards mm-hmm. board, because this is big. And I went and I was extremely honest with them because yes, I had my faults, but the things that they were accusing that they had heard, they were accusing me of, um, I hadn't done. And so I said, look, it's not me. I don't know where you're getting your information. And yes, I've screwed up in a lot of ways, but not this. And they wouldn't listen to me. So as a young woman in a room of men who are telling you you're in front of us because you have a standard that you say you're going to keep and we know you're not. And I'm like, but that's not, I'm, that's not me. And they said, you know, they gave me an ultimatum and that ultimatum was to confess and go to my bishop and to walk through that walk so that I could stay there and continue on. And so again, coming off of, I don't trust this bishop. Now you're telling me I have to do something to stay here. I'm telling you, you've got the wrong girl and you're not But you've listening. already been there, right? You've but been I've been there. there. <laughs> yeah. I've gone were through all this. You, were they wanting you to go back to the same bishop that you'd already been uncomfortable no. questioned by? Okay. No, because at this point I'm in a different, I had moved to a different location. So my bishop was a different bishop, but I didn't okay. care because I, right. I had yes. the trust, right? I just recognized they were men, not mm. godly men. So it led me down a, a walk of, are you being led by the spirit? So my experiences were becoming very human and not spirit led. And for me, my faith should involve God in the spirit. I mean, there should be a Holy spirit guiding these people who are my leaders and it didn't. So I ended up um, choosing to leave BYU because I didn't have a lot of options. And then I just flailed for a very long time. And that, that was my walk. So until I was um, 31 years old, I wandered. So from mm. 18, 19 to 31, I was who I mentor now. <laughs> People who are transitioning and not sure what to do. I don't know how to transition into Christianity because I think I am a Christian because right. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the Holy Ghost. So how am I already not a Christian, but I can't go to these churches because none of those churches are true. And I can't go back to this one because there is something wrong with it, but I don't know what. Mm. So you just go, it's going to just wow, be me and you, that's- that's an incredible spiritual no man's land to wander mm-hmm. in for the better part of over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you kind of went on with your life. Did you get married and just ignored the religion thing? So I did. I, I tried to just do it on my own. Um, I ended up getting married and the man I married um, was Catholic. And so we just, um, you know, I'm nothing. So I guess I'm now Catholic by default. And then as God would have it, um, he, he had been abused as an altar boy. And it came into, after we were married, things happened. That was a realization of, holy cow, I, I can't be a part of this either. So now you've got two extremely broken people wow. who are, they're, they're, who they are is also their religion. And now they don't have that religion, that faith. So we're both just 
lost. Broken and messed up. Yeah. <laughs> we're broken uh, and messed up and we're together <laughs> with no family to rely on because our families are still like my brothers were absolutely out of it, but the rest of my family was still very Mormon. Right. And all of his family was still very Catholic and refused to support him. So now we're two broken people, but we were two broken people who had a desire because God is good to have God. But you don't have family and you don't have faith. Wow. Exactly. <sighs> but we have God. He has us. So together we knew that, sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> together we knew that we were going to have a family one day. And we did not want this family to go through what we were going through. And we knew we couldn't do it alone because there is a God. And we obviously had not had an encounter with um, the real one. The one minus all the dogma. The one minus all the rules. The one mm -hmm. minus what people were making him to be. So we set out on a, on a search. And when we, is the performance-based religion we talk about all the time? Yes, right? exactly. And it was the scariest thing ever. And we walked into, at this point, we're living in California. And so we just started going to churches. We're just like open. And we sat in the back row. And I can't tell you, there are lots of times we're like, oh, and we were out. Because there was just, we were both so unused to what churches could be. Mm -hmm. And there, there are some crazy things out there. I mean, you, you yes. are led. So you have to be cautious. And we did not want to end up where we had already been. Right. And God's grace was wonderful. And we walked into a church. And when we walked into it, we sat down. And the pastor got up with one thing in his hand. And it was the Bible. And he mm -hmm. opened it and spoke truth. And we looked at each other and we're like, there was no pomp and circumstance. There was no performance. There was... A man preaching mm. God's word and it hit us like no other. And we immediately started going to that. And the ironic thing is that church was across the street from the Catholic church that we'd been going to. And we didn't even know it was there. We walked, wow. we went all over the place and ended up across the street. And we were like, oh my goodness. So talk to me for a minute about the power of that word, because that was what changed my life. Yes. Yeah. It, it was just, um, when you, Number one, it wasn't someone coming up with it. Like for me, for my husband, he was used to just a regurgitated lesson. You stand, you sit, you speak things back. It was just, this is what we do on this day of the week. The next week we do this. So he wasn't used to the Bible actually being read and shared with the congregation. I was used to people speaking and having a prepared talk where they might throw some scriptures in that match on the topic they were given. Hmm. When this pastor got up, the first thing he is, is open your Bibles to and I don't remember what it was, but it was just sort of like, open your Bibles. Okay. <laughs> and we're sitting here like, what Bible are we going to open? You know? And, and then he just started reading and he would read a couple of verses and then he'd break it down and we'd walk through it. And he was passionate and he was filled with the spirit and he'd keep going. And pretty soon you're in the chair and you're moving because he was, the words on the page came to life and you were invited to join him. And he wanted to hear your books, you know, the pages turn. He wanted you to mark them up. And for me, growing up, knowing that you mark up your scriptures, I felt like, oh, I know how to do something because <laughs> I, I get to write. I get to put my notes. I get to yeah. make comments. My husband thought all of that was crazy because you don't write in the Holy Bible, you know. So right. it's just all these things we were learning together. But the fact that it was God's word, and that's what it was every week. And then, and then they introduced us to a life group. And they put us with a group of believers who were strong and without mm -hmm. that group to walk us baby Christians through 
the struggles in our marriage, the, the paths we were crossing. We ended up having children at this time. Um, my husband was baptized shortly thereafter. It was mm. in um, 2000. He was baptized in 2002. And mm. then he started um, leaving like mounds of just paperwork on my nightstand. He worked graveyards. And when I wake up every morning, I'd have all these copies of why I wasn't a Christian. Because oh. I, kept telling him, <laughs> I kept telling him Mormons were Christians, so I didn't need to get baptized because I was already a Christian before. Sure. You've been Mormons baptized eight years old, right? So... Yeah. And so I'm like, I don't need, you were an infant. So I understand Catholics do it wrong, but Mormons, I was eight. I'm good. And he would just, every morning I'd wake up to new stacks of information as to why Mormons weren't Christian. Mm. And then we would, we would just argue and fight. And I'm like, leave me alone, leave me alone. And so then my pastor was like, why don't you and I talk? And my pastor, that sweet man, John Reed, um, he met with me one-on-one and we would I would take my book of Mormon. I would take my old Bible and we'd talk about, I already know this. There's nothing you're telling me. I didn't learn when I was in the Mormon church. And I would just battle with him. And he was so full of grace and patience and would walk me through it. And he recommended um, Lee Strobel's The Case for Christ Mm. to me. Uh, And with truth of scripture. And then I am very, at this point, I don't trust anyone. I need facts. I need knowledge. And, and you're engaging your brain in faith for the first time yes, ever, right? <laughs> yes. And so with the with the God's word and then Lee Strobel's just inquisitive, questioning, doubtful, I'm going to prove this wrong, all that information, I put those two together and I walked back to John and I'm like, I need to get baptized now because I 100% have not been worshiping Jesus Christ. That is the true Jesus Christ at all. My God is the wrong God. My God is a man-made God that is not the God of the Bible. And I, I need to be baptized. And I said, and I, I like now. So the following week, which was two years after wow. my husband, I um, was baptized into the Christian faith. Wow. And so it's two years it was, after your husband is giving you information. So how, okay. So tell me, because we run into a lot of couples that are like this where one couple either has seen the truth about Mormonism, they've come to faith in Christ, or, you know, maybe they're not a Mormon and the spouse is, and it can create all sorts of tension. I mean, it can actually rip marriages apart. So what did your husband do right? What did he do well that kept you engaged? And not that he probably did everything perfectly, but obviously you stuck with him and you stuck through this for two years and you continued to be open. So for people out there listening, um, and maybe for the spouses are going, yes, please tell me what did you do right? Cause I feel yes. like I'm doing everything wrong right now. Um, oh my gosh. He, he, he prayed. I will tell you that the first thing that mm, man did not quit yeah. praying for me and he didn't need to tell me I'm praying for you. I'm praying. No, no, I didn't just, know he was praying for me, but I yeah. do know that he was praying for me. And like I said, we had been connected in a church and I valued the relationships and I was still growing in the word. And I was searching and he knew I was searching. So he, like, I I was done. I'm like, you have got to stop putting this information. Like if I see one more piece of paper on my nightstand when I wake up, like you gotta stop. And he respected me. So the paper trail ended, but then he just got a new thing. So he started listening to Revelation, the book of Revelation on CD. Mm -hmm. And the Mm -hmm. only CD player was in our room. And so, so help me. (laughs) Revelation (laughs) was 24 seven. Every time you sit at the computer, the book of revelation was just constant. So he was always trying to make sure 
I want you to hear truth. You're going, this house is going to be filled with God's word, with the truth. It's going to be audible. It's going to be everywhere. It's going to be saturated. And it wore me out. But at the same time, it's one of those things that as I look back, it, it endears me because he was doing it to give him strength because I was fighting and right. he needed to stay strong and to not say things that would push me away, but he needed to um, be filled. And for him, he needed to hear the word audibly. He needed to be in prayer. And we really utilized our life group. He went to those those men that he connected with and they were praying for me and they were praying for our marriage and they were praying for him. And when we would come together as a group, they were so patient with me in my walk that they would find ways to encourage me through it. So it really was just Cisco realizing he couldn't do it on his own, that he needed our, our village and yeah. that he needed to be on his knees and, and yeah. in prayer. And it worked. I mean, his mother, his family actually left the Catholic church. Now, mind you, his family is from South America and oh, generational okay. Catholic. Okay. So this is this is who they are. And his mother was actually baptized before me. Like I'm telling you, I was Wow. Fighting. You were the holdout. You were <laughs> I was the holdout because I was convinced that I could be Mormon and Christian. And it took oh. a very long time. What a testimony that is to his changed life, right? That yes, that yes. many um, people were impacted. I cannot tell you oh, I would tell Mormons that small group Bible studies or what Christians call life groups sometimes. Yeah, or fellowship um, groups, yep. Mm-hmm. Are just the most wonderful thing to find after Mormonism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially and Lynn, we are like at time and I didn't set no. a timer before. <laughs> but I just wanna say thanks for listening, people. And you know, join us in the next episode because this conversation is gonna continue. And we're excited for it. Um, it's been great and it's gone by so fast. I looked up and I couldn't believe um, we were at time. So Susan, thanks for sharing. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll be back. And so. Grace and peace until next time. So long. Thank you for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. Join us next time for another conversation devoted to helping your life and relationships flourish. As always, you can find show notes, program transcripts, and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. For a limited time, we are offering the Wilder's book, Seven Reasons We Left Mormonism, for a donation of any amount. Go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free book button to request yours. We greatly appreciate your support for the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals. Mm